Hello and welcome back to Mind of Success. I'm your host, Moni Millares, a Mexican-British living in Asia. I work in fintech and build digital banks from scratch. In my years in the industry, I've realized most of us are in a vulnerable financial position. However, building a business can be a catalyst for change. So I created this podcast. It's about business stories we do not talk about. I chat with entrepreneurs, CEOs, and experts about their journeys, struggles, and lessons to extract gems of wisdom and practical tools so that we can thrive and create the impact we want. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another exciting conversation. Today, okay, so before I go into who are we going to talk with today, I want you to be very honest with yourself. Have you ever been in debt? Yes. Have you ever wanted to, or at least thought about buying a property? Yes. yes. Have you ever gone a little bit of anxiety because you're like, how on earth am I going to do this? Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that's our topic for today. Today, we have a very special guest, Freya Mathers. She is a money coach and she helps women thrive financially. She's coming all the way from London and her story is fascinating because exactly that's exactly what she did. She used to be in debt and then basically she started working with money and her relationship with money and the practical things of money and basically she saved for the deposit and now she's like property owner which is amazing because many of us and with many I say like millennials, gen set and probably like even everyone else like we do struggle with that journey so this is a very practical session conversation with freya so freya welcome to the show thank you so much money i'm so happy to be here and uh sorry for answering all your questions in the intro as well i know you're asking asking your listeners but i can definitely relate to everything you said Yeah, well, and me too. That's why I was also like answering as I'm saying, yes, yes, that's yeah, me, yeah. that's me. Because I think it's that. It's like it's very relevant. We can all relate to that. And that's so important to to talk about as well, you know, that because um, sometimes it can feel lonely to be on that journey and we think everyone else has it sorted out, but it's not true. Um, so when we ask questions like this, you know, Who's been in that situation? Who's been dreaming of buying a house, but who's felt like it's really tough? Can I do it? Maybe it's not for me, but it's for everyone else. So, you know, people relate to that. You're not alone if you feel that. So, um, and if, if you're listening and nodding along now, um, as you will uncover probably from our conversation today, it is very possible for you. Yes. And I think you've raised a very good point, like very good point, even like a starting point. That is, we all have all these questions, but we don't talk about them. Like, we don't openly talk about money. And that is whether you're based in Latin America, in Europe, in Asia, it is like generic. We don't talk enough about money, but we lose a lot by not having these conversations because we don't learn from each other. It's a stigma. Uh, one of my friends and listeners, <laughs> she listened to one of the episodes on uh, financial well-being and retirement and planning this the other and then because of that like her prompt was oh i listened to your podcast and then we got started talking about like 
retirement and buying a house, this and the other. And then the knowledge in her head and my head, it was like an amazing merging of information and experiences that we couldn't have if we still keep money as a taboo and something that we don't talk about. 100%. I love that. And, you know, it, sometimes we do need these reminders and we do need to see other people um, that we can relate to who are doing it, struggling, but still doing it. Um, and then we can say that, you know, I um, I do have a million reasons why I think I can't do this, but the next person is doing it. So maybe I can try and see how far I get. Exactly. So you have a very interesting story. Yeah, thank you <laughs> and for you've gone that. through that journey. <laughs> yeah, you, you've gone through that journey. Like now talking about like sharing, <laughs> like, can you guide us through your story? Yeah, Like 100%. money-wise, like um, how you went from that, yeah. Yeah, I mean, my story um, from sort of debt to deposits, um, which which sounds really cool. Um, it's it started really, um, you know, it's it's hard to know when these things start because research shows that our money story, the, the stories we tell ourselves about money and and the w- the way we relate to money, is often set by age seven. So I'm not going to take you back that far but it's definitely something to think about um and something we can come come back to later today as well but you know when when I started working um you know I I did my degree and I got out and got an adult job and I started getting a paycheck for the first time in my life I got a full-time paycheck you know before I just worked in like shops and stuff like that part-time so I started getting my paychecks and no, at no point in my life up until then had someone told me or have I asked, how do I manage money, right? So I just got in an amount every month and I just spent it in two weeks and that was it. And and that was a cycle. And I just thought, that's, that's a very good point. Yeah. yeah. Like now that you say that, it's like now that I thought about it, it's like, well, yeah, when I started working, nobody told me like, this is how you manage your salary. No, it is just exactly. uh, you get money, and then on the contrary, you're like you're young, and then you say like, "Oh, I'm rich." <laughs> you go and spend it all. Exactly. You never had that much money in your kind of current account before, right? So, and and you know, at, at a certain date, it will replenish. There will be more money again. So, so why not? <laughs> exactly. And my spending habits were awful. Awful, I'm telling you, awful. Um, and I'm I'm not under the belief that we should save all our money, not in any sense. I think that money is, is there for making life enjoyable, um, you know, creating security and all that. So, but I know now, looking back, that I was wasting a lot of money um, on things that didn't really matter. And, and, didn't and I did that for years, yeah. yeah. Uh, I did that for years and I was just kind of living in that cycle, paycheck to paycheck um, and never having really any money to plan much ahead. Um, If a friend asked me if I wanted to go on a big trip, maybe I could, maybe I couldn't. It depended on, you know, the amount left of my salary. Um, At the end of the month, yeah. Yeah. So, and then um, when was it? When I was 27, um I had this realization and it just kind of hit me that um if I want to because I just noticed that 
you know, I, I keep working and I keep doing things and I, I, you know, but I don't really move forward. I'm not any closer to buying a house than I was, you know, five years five ago. Five years ago. Yes. yes. I don't and I think we, we can relate, like we, as in many of us, can relate to that. We work, yeah. work, work. Yes, you travel. Yes, you go out. But it's not like you're living an extravagant life either. No. But still, no, because like we don't, right? It's like there's no progress. But um, but still, it feels like there's no progress towards something yeah. bigger and secure. <laughs> exactly. I had literally no security. I had no financial safety net, and all these things that we kind of associate with adult life. I didn't have that aside from the fact that I was going to work instead of uni I was kind of living the same lifestyle in a way with a little bit more money um so then I had that realization and I thought you know that magical day that I'm gonna you know wake up and become an adult and know all the things I need to think about with my finances that that day is never gonna come I need to make that day happen and, you know, I can decide that that day is going to be today. But if I don't decide that, it's never going to happen. Yeah. So so that's when I had that realization. And it's it's tough. It's such a reality check because it's kind of having a bucket of cold water in your face, you know. You just need to, like... like you are responsible and accountable. And if you don't take action, then life will continue to be the same. And then that's Yeah. It. I mean, it's it's terrifying. It's sobering, but it's also incredibly empowering. Yeah, because then you are in control. Yeah. It's not like, oh, uh, yeah. No, it's like you can take specific steps to change that. Exactly. So, so then I'm very yeah. curious, like, how did you get in debt? Because I think it's, it's a mix of bad habits and also media. And also expectations from society and bad education. I got in debt at some point that I shouldn't have had. But what's your what's your debt journey? I mean, I think you really nailed it there. I think a, a big part of it is habits and um, media portraying. You know, when you when you grow up, um, I was born in in 1990, so I grew up watching, you know, Friends, Sex in the City, all these shows that shows you, you know, if you're an adult woman, you work. Yes, of course you yeah. should have a house. Of course you should take Ubers everywhere. Of course you should buy new clothes and shoes all the time and go out for dinners yeah. every day. That's that's life. But um, maybe it doesn't have to look exactly like that. But maybe that's fine as well. So um, I think media, you know, it doesn't really portray necessarily the reality of um it's, it's funny actually you mentioned that because I, I think i came across an article once about how unrealistic uh, for example bridget jones is the the film yeah. right, and the book yeah bridget jones they did um an estimation of with the job that she has um and the salary she she's likely not, have, yeah. she's not <laughs> likely to have that house massive house in the middle of london <laughs> Of course, no. <laughs> by herself. It's, no, it's not that easy. Yeah, but maybe the real life wouldn't look so good on, on TV. I don't know. Um, I'm sure they have their reasons. Um, but I think those are two important factors you're mentioning there. Media, habits, and also the mindset as well. Um, we were talking about money stories and how it sets in, in childhood. Um, 
we absorb things we hear from our parents or from other adults in our lives, um, our society and the community we grow up in, um, and books and, and everything we absorb up until then. We're small sponges, right? And we suck up all these things. Uh, for example, it's interesting to hear people who's always had, we can't afford that growing up, then that's the story that they will play in their mind. Um, and that will shape their um, behavior around money. Uh, and that can go in, in various directions as well. Some people then um, hold on to that habit and kind of clinch it onto their money and don't spend it because they think they can't afford things that they definitely can afford. Or they go the other way around to the extreme and think buying makes me feel secure because when I was little, we didn't buy anything, you know? We didn't have anything. Yeah. That is so interesting. It's interesting. Yeah, because, Very interesting. Because it's like many times we just go and buy because it, exactly that's why it's called retail therapy. It makes you feel good. Right? Yeah. It's like you just go and purchase, it makes you feel good. But at the same time, exactly, there's many times that, yes, we can afford something and we don't buy it just because we don't want to spend. But there's no real reason. We can afford it. But we're like, no, 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 I'm not going to spend. I'm saving. But it's that's not healthy either because there's healthy saving habits and then there's the exactly. to attach to not yeah. enjoying your money as well. Yeah. And, you know, we could talk about this for hours. It's a massive field and it's it's really interesting as well. Um, but I, I just wanted to mention quickly then, um, retail therapy is interesting because they have actually done a lot of clinical research on this and the endorphin kick you get from, from buying something, right? But the thing is, <laughs> yes. after, after you bought it, that endorphin kicks, kick will die out very, very quick. Yeah, exactly. And then... The item that you bought that looked very nice and shiny in the shop is just another thing in your house, right? It's just another cluster. Um, And then they've done research comparing this to, for example, the joy we get from, let's say, instead of buying a a jumper, um, throwing a dinner for your friends, spending the same amount. And the, the happiness and lasting joy that brings is just so massive compared to buying an item so really if we want to you know get the most happiness out of our spending it's more about sharing experiences with others yeah rather than collecting more items in the house that will get dusty 100 percent, yeah but okay so sorry you were asking um how i got into that so it's, yes. it's, it's a combination it's of all it's like coming back coming back to the, yeah. to the health. because I think it's important because it's important to know because like listener like whomever is listening they can relate to the story or they can even be like oh I should not do that like I'm starting to have those habits you know it's important just to see what got us to where we are today that's yeah. why, that's I why mean, it's like I want to understand the how you got into that yeah, I mean, I think it's a combination of those things. I di- didn't know. I didn't have the knowledge. I didn't have any role models when it comes to finances, you know. Um, yeah. So, and and another important thing is is that kind of um, limiting belief, if you will, of um, this purchase doesn't matter, you know. I can start saving next time. It's it's kind of like being on a diet. Uh, this, this chocolate is not going to matter. <laughs> 
yeah. just the same thing. It's so, yeah. well, same yeah. same as drinks or drugs. It's just one. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, yeah. that is so. It's not going to make a difference if I just spend this, you know, seventy-five pounds, whatever. So yeah, and and, and that mindset shift from from actually, you know, this matters, and it doesn't matter because it's seventy-five pounds. Not going to make a massive difference, you know, when you're eighty. But it matters because your decisions, how you do one thing, is how you do everything. And the decision you make now is the path you're on. So it does matter. Um, so that that's a really um, good shift as well. Yeah. Did you get in debt with? Do you mean like credit card debt or loans? I had a or credit both. card. Um, credit card. Yeah. Yeah, I had a credit yes. card and I also had two student loans. Um, yeah. Yes. So because like on credit cards are so easy card, to get. It's so easy. It's like it's so easy. And I think, well, of course, I work in the financial services industry, but I think as an industry, we need to do more to educate, not just to give cards. Like I got in debt like long time ago, probably the same age, roughly. Mm. But it was because I got a I got a credit card approved with a very very high limit, and I said no 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 I don't want it like I will not use it. And of course it was like in the drawer just safe for a rainy day until an amazing holiday came across in front of me, and I was like no I will not use it. And then I was like oh exactly like <laughs> you say like oh that's just like I'm young the experience this the other boom credit card debt, and then it's like no. Because then it takes years to pay it back. I remember back then I did have to take a loan so that then I could pay off the credit card and then just like be more responsible and paying back debt. That's how the cycle starts. And then you know, once you once you started using your credit card, then it's like, why not just put something more on the credit card? Because it kind of feels nice to just buy something without having to see any money. Yeah. You don't see the money. That's a very, very good point for all of us to be aware of. Like, for, when you and I were growing up, it was still not as digital as it is today. So there was still some sort of cash exchange. Right now, cash doesn't exist. So for everything, you just use like the little plastic or the phone and you go mm -hmm. around the world like shopping. Yeah. But then that makes you lose touch with the reality of how you got that money and that you need to pay it back. And all of a sudden you're like, oh, did I spend that much? You didn't even notice. With cash, at least you were like, well, I've got a hundred and then you had to count them. And you would see the money going down. Yeah, yeah. it's it presents a different set of challenges, I would say, um, especially also because it's so abstract now. Like we go to work and we don't think about, you know, oh, today I earned this amount of money and how does that compare to how much money I'm spending? We just kind of work without thinking and then we get paid money into our little plastic card and then we go and spend. And so much of this is habitual as well. You know, we are creatures of habits. Um, so often... Just making a few small tweaks in our, you know, ongoing habits makes a massive difference down difference down the line. Um, yeah. Yes, it does. It, does. It, it, it it needs awareness to being able to identify habits that we should be changing. Um, 
and and we want to change them and you know how can we change them and it's a topic of itself as well uh, yeah but, but and actually it's a very nice topic to transition let's say once you have that awareness that you're like yeah i'm in debt eg i have bad habits but then what we said at the beginning it's like i want to buy a property i need to save for the deposit it doesn't matter where you live in the world you still need to have a deposit the percentage may change but you still need to have a deposit how did you move from having debt to then going through that journey to then saving for the deposit, which is not that straightforward. It's not that easy. Definitely not. Um, it's, a, it's a really good question. Uh, and I think when you say it like that, it sounds overwhelming, right? How, can, how, and how and why would anyone in debt with no money management skills and not a particularly high salary in one of the most expensive cities in the world why would they attempt to buy a house, which is a massive project, right? So I think, and, um, you know, as a coach, I like to break things down. <laughs> and we need to, you know, we need to divide and conquer. Um, so the first thing to do is to just, and this is also the first thing I did um, as an exercise. Okay, how much does it cost to buy a house? How much does a house cost in London? I had no idea. I had a vague idea of, House prices in in Norway in, in Oslo where I grew up didn't know about London. I just heard it was insanely expensive. But what is that? You know, okay, maybe a flat would cost you three hundred and fifty thousand. Just an example. Okay, three hundred and fifty thousand. How much? Okay, let's say you need to have a ten percent deposit. Okay, then then we're starting to have a figure that we can work with thirty five thousand pounds. That's that's my target. Can I achieve that in ten years? Fine. Can I achieve that in? Say, even that sounds that sounds like whoa! It's going to take like years to get to that amount. Yeah, absolutely. And but you know, time will pass anyways. If it takes you ten, fifteen years, then it will take you ten, fifteen years. Um, time will pass anyways. If you know, fifteen years from now, you can either be in a good position or you could just think, oh, it's not worth it because it's going to take too long. So. Before you even start thinking, you know, oh, it's going to take too long, just break it down. Okay, let's in, back to the example. Now we have, okay, 35,000 is what we need, right? Um, and if you're going to do that alone, kudos to you. Uh, I hope you're on a good salary. But for most of us, uh, it's, it's a lot easier if we can buy with a partner, you know? Um, that is a very good point. And it's not because, fair because we shouldn't be penalized for, you know, if we're single. Um, but the fact of the matter is it's a lot easier uh, if we can split the cost with someone. Um, that is such a good point because then you hit like a societal construct that yeah. either you basically find a life partner and then together you decide to basically formalize a relationship by buying a property not even getting married now it's like buying a property but then there's two of you and that keeps you together almost it's like yeah let's get buy the property but yeah. if you're single then you're like oh you need to buy this property and then it's such a bigger burden and, yeah. and I, mean, I do think that society puts that expectation that it's like to be a full grown-up then you need to have a property. Yeah. So it's even I, more pressure. 
I know it's it's problematic uh, in many different ways. Um, but I'm going to come back to actually uh, made a little note of this to come back to that as well. But um, I, I would say if, if you are single and you want to buy property, there there is still possibilities because there's there, especially I know the UK market, but there are some similar schemes in some other countries. There are some schemes available that will help you. Um, but also you might have to, you know, either buy a very small little place or, um, you know, uh, look a little bit outside of the big cities where it's a lot cheaper. Um, yeah. Or, you know, you, you don't have to buy with a partner. It, it probably makes sense. But I know some people who's buying with a sibling, for example. Um, but the fact, yeah. the fact is that it is easier when you have a partner. So, um, okay, so if, if you break 35,000 into two, it's a lot more manageable, yeah. right? We can agree on that. 17,500. Yes. It's easier. And then we can start breaking down. Okay. If we have that amount, um, so let's say, okay, the, the goal is then 17,500. And then the kind of finance nudge in me starts working on the numbers. Okay. So seven years, let's say, you can save 2,500 a year. And then you can get there in seven years. Or you can save more. But which, if you put it like that, it seems more reachable. Yeah. Rather exactly. than 35,000, you're like, <laughs> I don't know when, versus, hey, two to 3,000 a year. Yeah. I'm like, oh, that seems doable. I could save a little bit on holidays. I could exactly not spend on shoes and bags. Yeah, exactly. So it's like if a you little, little start saving. Yeah, and then you can manage to break down and you can look at some different examples. How much would I have to save a year to, to get there in five years, seven years, three years? And then hopefully it seems a little bit more manageable. Um, and then there's other schemes as well. For example, in the UK, you can get a top up of 25% of every money that you put in. So that means that um, to reach that two and a half thousand, you would only have to put in 2,000 and you'll get, you know, so, yes, so that's a very well. good point. Yeah. Yes, because like governments are not in all countries, but in many countries, at least in the UK, like the government yeah. is actively helping first-time buyers. So it exactly. helps, you know, like it's easier to reach that goal. It's kind of they they compensate you for your good behavior of saving. Yeah. If that's what you want, if that's what you want, what you want to buy a property, right? Yeah, exactly. So then, you know, we go from thinking about a three hundred and fifty thousand pound house to which seems like massive, inachievable, unrealistic to two thousand a year. That is doable. It's doable for for most of us in some sort of way. Um, and if if you currently think, you know, there's no way I can save even a small amount from my paycheck. Um, then I would say review your spending and also maybe you can pick up like a little side hustle um, and save that money. So I would say it's maybe it's not achievable for everyone. I, I can't really say that and be the judge of that. But I think 2000 a year is probably um, a lot more realistic than people think. And 
you know, seven years isn't that much. And that's just in, in no, this example. just like five. Yeah. 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 If, if you yeah. started seven then, years ago now, then you would be by the finish line now. So if you start now, the future, you will thank you for it. Exactly. And I like that you said that because it's a, it's doable, it's achievable, and it opens up the, the horizon slash solution. It doesn't have to be me only. I can buy with somebody else. Mm-hmm. And probably here, the important thing is if we're going to buy, like to go into a commitment to buy a property with someone else, then it also comes the why are you buying the property? You know, like even thinking those things. Is it just like to have the property, to sell it in the future because you want to rent it, like because you want to get married and live with the kids in that property, like all these other factors come into account when you decide what's your strategy, basically. That is such a good question. And I think so few of us ever ask ourselves that question, you know? Why am I buying a house? Is it just because society tells me that it's, you know, part of the package of being an adult or is it actually something that is important to me as a person so that's I a think, very good question yeah and i think it's it's definitely worthwhile reflecting on that um and maybe discussing it with others as well you know asking your friends about that it, it's it's such an easy way as you mentioned in the, in the intro we don't talk about money because also because we don't know how to talk about money. It's not only talking, you know, saying how much do you earn a year, which can feel very scary to ask someone or share. Yeah. Um, yeah. But we can ask, you know, next time you have a dinner with your friends, just say, do you want to buy a house ever? Have you thought about that? And if you do, what is the reason? What would that bring you? Um, yeah, because that's a very good point. Because then... There's people like my friend that I was talking about this, she was planning her retirement, basically. She's mm-hmm. in her fifties. And then she, w- she was telling me that the finance, she had this conversation with her financial advisor and the advisor at the end, she was like, well, if you put your money in these investments, maybe you don't even need to buy a property. It's like, why do you want it? It's like, oh, for retirement. Well, yeah, you might have enough money to like have a good retirement and live wherever you want, basically, without buying and just renting. So yeah. there's there's also this stigma that we have to buy a house for retirement, that you're buying something that will be your own at some point in time yeah. instead of renting and renting and renting. I mean, the fact is as well, and this is another story that we have adopted as a society and we've just kind of agreed to subscribe to, and that is that renting means throwing money out the window, whereas if you buy something, you build up your own equity. It's true to an extent, but it's also a big fat lie. So, and why am I saying that? Tell us why. Yes. yes. Why, why, why? (laughs) Yeah. I'm very happy to say that because I think this is such an important topic to have more aware of, awareness of. Um, first and foremost, buying a house comes with a lot of different fees, right? You need to pay your solicitor, your surveyor, um, stamp duty or other taxes, depending on where you live. And then um, after that, once you have completed the purchase, then it's your responsibility, right? If you're renting, there's a landlord. You can call the landlord and say, hey, the washing machine is broken. Fix it. <laughs> Not my problem, you know? I'm paying my rent. You fix it. It's your problem. Whereas if you're a homeowner, 
it's your problem. You have no one to call, um, and you need to um, you need to expect to pay money to maintain your house, um, to kind of upgrade your appliances when that is needed. And it's a massive responsibility, you know. It's 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 a house. You can't just let it kind of decay. Right. So, yes, exactly. So you need to, um, and depending on where you, I know in London it's quite normal when you rent, you you often get it furnished. But if you're buying somewhere, you need to buy your own furniture, which is expensive. Yes. So yeah, it's expensive. Yeah. That's up. Yeah. Yeah. So. That being said, you know, you are building up um, your equity, but you're also paying a bucket load of interest. So <laughs> um, so they've done various studies on this which, where they have compared. Um, and the outcome obviously depends on what the two alternatives is. is if the alternative is to buy a house and um, not, you know, pay the mortgage but not save anything or not invest, or rent somewhere, you know, Rent a nice little modest place and invest regularly. Um, then they found that a key finding, which is quite interesting, really, is that buying a house doesn't always leave you better off financially in the in the long term. Which is probably what your financial advisor to your friend was mentioning as well. Like, yes, exactly. if she would rather just re- keep renting but keep building up her assets in yeah, the background. And- Yes, that's a very good point. So it's this is like an alternative to buying a house, like future, uh, kind of like thinking of the future. It's a, hey, you rent, but you go a little bit lower than like an extravagant budget. And then let's say you were to have a mortgage. The mortgage was a thousand. Instead, you say, hey, I'll rent, but I'll rent for 700. And then the gap the difference between 1,000 and 700, you take that money, those 300, and you invest them such that your worth keeps basically growing as well. It's not just the how. There's another alternative. Exactly. And another really big factor in that calculation is that um, you essentially, you have freedom. Cause yes. And and that and depends huge. on us. You know, we are individuals. Some of us really want that freedom. Um, you know, maybe tomorrow you would want to move to different, you know, a different country or um, move a different neighborhood even. But with a mortgage, yeah. you are more or less stuck right. with the house right. until you get it sold. Um, yes. So it's a massive That's factor. such a good point. Because yeah. even now, with there's many good things about the pandemic, right? And now that it's like remote working, then it's like, and more countries opening up to remote working visas, you yeah. can be like, oh, I'll just go and work somewhere else. You know, like I'm today I'm in the UK, tomorrow I'm in Spain, and then a year later I'm in Asia. Yeah. <laughs> That's kind of my journey, right? Mexico, <laughs> UK, Asia. <laughs> But uh, but yeah, not having to worry about the mortgage repayments, uh, it gives you just, like you say, flexibility. You just pack your things. You're like, oh, okay. here I go, adventure, six months, one yeah. year. Go it's, it's so important to factor that in because um, it's, so, it's so possible for our generation to, to travel and move around um, globally, really. So do you want to have that commitment of 
a house and paying a mortgage every month? Um, and for some people, the answer is yes, I'm yes. happy to, you know, safety and security are my values. Um, I want to build and, uh, you know, put up my roots and everything. And that's fine, but it's not going to be that for everyone. And I think that's important that we um, we agree on as a society that buying a house is not the gold standard. I love that because it's not. Yeah. And we shouldn't. Can we put on a t-shirt. <laughs> yes, like you said, a beautiful phrase. <laughs> and we shouldn't grow up like thinking, oh. I need to go to uni, I need to then get my job, then I need to get married, then I need to buy a property. And then the moment that those things don't happen, you start like stressing yourself and you're like, no, you don't need to buy a property. You it's not necessarily the right choice. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Especially if you're like a digital, well, the digital nomads, it's very not trendy. It is trendy. But it's a trend that is growing and growing and growing just because remote working is growing. Yeah. So it just gives absolutely. you flexibility. Even even if you were not like digital nomad, like traveling around the world, but even within your own country, like, hey, let's say if you work in the capital, but then six months later, a year later, two, you even keep your same job because now everyone is working remotely and you go like to another city within the country. Yeah. It gives you that flexibility as well without, of course, you can always do it with or without a house. But even when you don't have the house, it gives you more freedom, like you say. Less Absolutely. Yeah. So I think if, if someone is listening right now and they're thinking, you know, I've always felt like I need to buy a house. And if I don't, then I'm not, you know, advanced as far into adulthood as other people then just rest assured that that is a big fat lie that we need to get rid of as a society um and you know what is right for you is your you know that's down to you and that's your journey someone else is on their journey and that's fine but we can't compare our journeys because our situations and circumstances today are just so wildly different so I don't want anyone to feel like they have to buy a house. But if someone wants to, I want them to know that, you know, they definitely can. It is doable. Yes. And I think that's that's a very beautiful way to wrap up as well. That it's like, if you want to, even though you feel that it's like a very large and achievable goal, actually, it is possible. You can. You just need to start, like you said, breaking it into smaller goals until you say, oh, I need to save this much per year. That translates into this much per month and then start making the adjustments. But at the same time, if you don't want to buy a house or even before you decide to buy a house, you need to be very clear on why you want to buy this property. Hmm. And then all the pros and cons of continuing renting. Because if you have like a good investment strategy, like you said, it may be that it's better for you. Yeah, absolutely. And this is, this is to be honest with you, this is something I talk to my clients about um, very often as well. You know, what is right for you and what's your motivation? And I can tell you that if you identify what is important to you and what you want, then your motivation is there and it's going to feel a lot easier, a lot more doable um, than if you're just adopting someone else else's goals. And at the end, it comes to that, like, yeah. 
knowing yourself and it's like what do you want not what society told you that you should want exactly so and yeah if if and then when I do uncover what my clients motivations are and what their goals are then the next step is you know what is the best route for you to get there how can we get you on track to get there um and and that's really a beautiful journey and uh, I think working with a coach is a really really good way of of getting clarity around that and getting that accountability and support because um it makes the journey a lot easier and it makes us realize our potential if anything so yeah, yeah. so how how does that journey can look like once you say yes okay i need to save my two thousand or three thousand a year what's your journey what what do What do you tell people to start thinking of to choose the best words for them? Great question. Um, I think, you know, comparing... Uh, okay, so if we know that, let's say, we had this conversation, Moni, um, and we identify that in order to get on track, you need to put aside 2,000 a year for this goal, you know? You might have other goals as well. But for this goal, we need that. And um, how does that compare with how much you're currently saving? Are you saving... 2,000 a month or a year already? Perfect. Okay. Then we just need to optimize, you know, uh, where that money is, is saved. But if not, yeah. um, what is stopping you from saving that amount? And then that's when the coaching comes in, right? How, what is preventing you? Is it um, lack of clarity? That's easy to fix. But if you have, um, you know, subconscious blockages, then we need to break those down. Um And that can be an ongoing process, you know, that's not always just fixed in one day. So it's a lot about clarity, but also making sure that um, we're dealing with the blockages that are potentially holding people back. Can you, that's a very, very good point. Can you expand on what are those blockages? I think, and, and the reason why I ask is like, As a society, we talk about money. There's all these fintechs. I work in a fintech. You know, it's like there's technology, there's financial education. However, one of the pieces of the puzzle that we don't talk in banks, let's say, is the psychology of money. And as part of that psychology, there are beliefs or mindsets or like we call them blockages that stop us from take from having certain behaviors or ways of thinking so it's important that we talk about that can yes, you expand I, on the blockages that people usually have yeah i mean there's so many because we're all different which is the beauty of being a, being a human being um but i think a very common one as we kind of touched upon already is about um it doesn't matter that kind of psychology it doesn't matter if i just spend this today um i'll start tomorrow So that's a that's the, a main the I'll start tomorrow syndrome. Yeah, exactly. Like in Mexico, in Spanish, it's the mañana, mañana, yeah. <laughs> and then in Asia, in Asia, it's the okay. <laughs> <laughs> we have it on all cultures. It's like yeah, tomorrow. Exactly, and as we also mentioned, that doesn't just um, that isn't just limited to to money management either. It's something we. It's a kind of mindset. Um, that we can apply to all sorts of our lives, all sorts of areas of our lives. Um, so that's that's a major one. Um, and another one is um, probably connected to confidence or a lack of uh, helpful role models that 
we don't think that we can achieve things. Um, so what, why would I try when I don't have, you know, I didn't get a deposit from my parents, so why should I try and do it? Um, so that kind of passiveness of um, not feeling empowered to, to, to knowing that your actions will actually um, generate any, any helpful results for you. Um, very, very good point. How do I become aware that I am having that attitude? Oh, that is a good question. Um, I think it's it's journaling is is a really good technique. Um, having conversations and journaling, um, you know, getting clear on what is actually what am I telling myself? What are my excuses? And we can we can deliver these stories on and on and on for years without being aware of it. But then if we start paying attention, then they are often quite easy to spot. So um, let me take an example. Um, why am I not eating as healthy as I can? Um, I know, like, my first answer is, I have a baby. I don't have the time to prepare meals for hours and hours every day. And that's, I'm, I'm not, you know, being a persona now. This is my honest answer. So that's something I can say. And I know that it is a good excuse. You know, it is a valid reason. But at the same time, I can identify that it's actually a story I've been telling myself. That yes, that because you are a mom, then you have a baby and you don't have time. Therefore, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. So, and the opposite could be, I have a baby, I have a mom. Therefore, I want to look after my health because of my baby. Therefore, I'll yeah, exactly. find the time. It's just the yeah. opposite. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I need the energy and, you know, I need to pass on good habits to my child and all that so it is really um calling bullshit on ourselves to be completely honest I don't know if I'm allowed to carry yeah. some <laughs> on you here but, yeah. uh calling bs on ourselves and just saying you know yeah I have valid reasons but I also have good reasons on the contrary because in the world if you start paying attention we can find um justifications for anything so we just need to decide which justifications we want to subscribe to. Um, yeah. 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 So, it's yeah, I think, you know, talking to people, yeah, talking to people, journaling or just observing um, the excuses we deliver, if we ask ourselves, why am I not on track for what I want? And what is the reason? And then you can start detangling those reasons and, actually trying as you beautifully did um actually for me so you did miss you coached me now um to eating better. <laughs> um how can we reframe them and how can I kind of do that on an ongoing basis so next time you know I'm running late need to go out the door um and I'm hungry my child is hungry how can I then set myself up for success so I don't reach for you know pizza slice or something yes exactly yes yeah so Amazing. You know, yeah so what what comes to mind as your final remarks for everyone who's listening oh final remark um i would say um just know that um 
your goals are in your head for a reason or they're in your heart maybe um for a reason and the fact that you have a goal that means that it is possible for you so never um kind of dismiss your goals because they are there for a reason and you can achieve them and it's always worthwhile um getting on track for our goals and if anyone wants any support with that um i think uh potentially you could link to to how they can get in touch with me as well um, and yes that's to... what i was about to say like yeah. can you tell us where we can find you yeah so i'm mainly hanging out on instagram um at the wellness wallet and i'm also i also have a newsletter um so those are the two main ways to get in contact with me um Send me a DM on Instagram. I love hearing from from people. I love having really good conversations around money, our relationship with money, psychology, spending, goals, all that. I'm having so many good conversations on Instagram, which is why I love it as a platform. Awesome. Yes, and I just remembered, of course, I was like checking all your programs and everything. You have very interesting programs. Uh, which is the most popular one and why? So I would actually say um, I have a kind of a one-off coaching session, which is called the wealth building session. Um, it's very popular. Um, in this session, I normally work with people who feel like um, they're not really sure what they're doing with their money and they don't know what their potential is. So it's often a call where we talk about um, kind of break down the actions they need to take and, and create kind of a working plan for them. And, and how they can, you know, optimize their money and get on track with things. That's definitely the most popular um, offer I have. Um, and Amazing. it is quite limited as well because, you know, it, it's um, it's a big session. Um, so I try to keep it a little bit limited. Um, but I do have availability for March, currently taking March bookings. So if you're interested in learning more about this then definitely drop me an email ask me about my wealth building sessions and we can discuss what that could look like and how that could help you amazing and we are just in the first week of march so <laughs> people can, you, yeah yeah can just can just uh, yeah look into it cool amazing well freya it's been a pleasure having you in the show Thank you so much. It's been a very interesting conversation. It's been such a pleasure to, to talk to you as well today. Thank you. And guys, everyone listening, remember we'll have more and more conversations about money, finances, blockchain, crypto, NFTs. So keep tuned. We'll have the usual interviews and then we'll deep dive into money because it is extremely important. In the meantime, have an amazing week, re-listen to the episode, and remember to take one concept and then apply it into your life. Okie dokie, see you next week. Bye. Bye.